Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccination and health. Um, it's good to see you here today. Again, we have a fairly long show. I'm going to try and keep it as much as possible to a decent time frame so that you can enjoy the rest of your weekend here on the far north coast of New South Wales. The weather is amazing. Um, and I hope it is wonderful where you are as well. Um, I have started this week rereading for the first time since high school, uh, 1984, the book. And if you haven't read it, I mean, a lot of us read it in school. But if you haven't read it or haven't read it for a long time, I'd recommend doing it. Um, hi, Steph. It's great to see you here this morning. Um, 1984, I read it, as I said, for school. But it is like an instruction manual for what is going on today. Um, and it's a precautionary tale. It was meant to be a precautionary tale. Good morning, Adam. Oh, volume is low. Thank you for letting me know that. I'll turn it up a little bit. Is that any better? I hope that's better. Maybe move this closer too. Steph, do me a favor and let me know if the volume is any better. Um, hi, Lucky. Good to see you here today, too. So uh, I think that if you haven't read 1984, you did. If you haven't read it for a long time, like me, you should. And I think that it what it talks about is so predictive of what is going on in the world right now, today. It is almost as if George Orwell had traveled to the future, seen what was going to happen, and wrote it. Great. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate that. Um, and what we are seeing around the world, and especially in Australia, is exactly what was happening in 1984. And what I'd forgotten, because I hadn't read it for like 40 years or more, um, was that the world or the place in the world where 1984 took place was called Oceania, which is basically the area of the world where Australia is. And um, yeah, Brave New World was also a great book. Still can't hear you. Sharon, um, I, I'm not sure what the problem is. If anyone else is having problems with the volume, please let me know. Uh, I don't know what the issue is. It could be just on your end. I'm turning it up a little bit more, but if it gets too loud as well, that's as that's also a problem. So I don't want to turn it too high. I hope you can hear me now. So um, we've had over the last week a lot of new information come out, a lot of changes. Hey, Lou, it's good to see you here. I haven't seen you for ages. And isn't New York an interesting place to be now? Okay, great, Jara. Um, okay, sound is good on my end. Volume is a little low. I'm thinking that it may just be on the end that you are because some people are hearing fine and some people are not. Um, I could go up just a little. Okay, I'm going to take it up higher, but it could end up being too loud for some people. So I'm just doing it a little bit louder. And I apologize for those who are not hearing me well. Um, as I said, there have been some changes over this last week and some new information, which I'd like to cover with you. Um, the first thing is that the criteria, the diagnostic criteria for COVID-19 has changed. And this change took place 
on the day that Joe Biden was sworn in as President of the United States. So whether there's a connection there or not, I don't know. Now, just to show, tell you a little bit of history, for those of you who are not aware, with polio, um, the situation was that there were huge polio epidemics reported in the United States and across Europe. And when that happened uh, and a vaccine was brought in, overnight, the diagnostic criteria or the criteria for actually saying that someone had polio or did not have polio changed. Um, prior to the vaccination, before vaccine was administered, in order to be diagnosed with polio, what you needed was to have paralysis in one limb that lasted for more than 24 hours. So a lot of people were being diagnosed with polio because of that. And the paralysis was going away afterwards. Of course, a lot of people didn't see the paralysis go away. But the criteria for diagnosing polio was very broad. And as a result of that, um, the epidemics were incredibly huge, with a lot of people who eventually recovered from polio without treatments and without anything whatsoever, because it could have just been a stiff neck. It could have been anything. Immediately upon the vaccine being released, the diagnostic criteria for polio changed. Um, what happened was that instead of only needing to have paralysis in one limb that lasted for 12 hours or 24 hours, um, you needed paralysis that, last, that was in two limbs that lasted for two weeks, and you had to have not received the polio vaccine within the previous 30 days because a lot of people were getting polio immediately after the polio vaccine. In other words, they were being they were being vaccinated and then developed paralysis. So by saying that you can't have received the polio vaccine in the previous 30 days, they were totally taking all of those vaccine-associated polio cases out of the picture. As a result of that change in diagnostic criteria, the incidence of polio went down by 90 to 95% overnight, and the vaccine was declared a success, a huge success, because the people who would have been diagnosed with polio just the day before the vaccine was released were no longer being diagnosed with polio. Instead, there were still lots of people getting paralyzed, and there still are today. Um, there were lots of people who would have been diagnosed as polio, but instead they were being given different diagnoses like um, aseptic meningitis and acute flaccid paralysis, the other names for polio immediately following the vaccine. So what happened on the day that Biden was inaugurated, when it seemed to be safe to start looking at maybe ending the COVID pandemic until the next big one, um, was that a diagnostic criteria were changed. Um, before this change, anyone who tested positive on a COVID test, and I'll, you know, I've spoken many times with you about the scam that these COVID tests are. Um, it's on the World Health Organization, Alice. Anybody who wants the links from today's program or today's broadcast, they will be up on the AVN uh, website, avn.org.au, this afternoon when I've uploaded the um, the broadcast to that website. So if you can wait until this afternoon, all the links will be there, including this one. Um, and this was from the World Health Organization. So they have changed the di diagnostic criteria. Instead of just needing to have one 
positive test. And in Australia, you get one test, you're quarantined for 14 days, you are basically everyone around you is tracked and traced and they're forced into quarantine, all based on this one positive test. Now, what the World Health Organization is saying is that we no longer rely on just one test. What you need to do is have one test that's positive, display symptoms of COVID, which is basically common cold symptoms, and then you need to have a second test that confirms the first one. In addition, they are reducing the number of cycles that the COVID vaccine, uh, sorry, that the COVID test is using. Um, we've spoken about this. I spoke about it with Dr. Raznick a couple of weeks ago. Um, the, the high number of cycles, the high replication cycles that they're using in these PCR tests are leading to a very high incidence of false positives. So you'll be getting a positive, but you don't actually have any COVID. You are not, uh, you are not really positive for COVID. And because of that, we're getting a lot of cases that aren't really cases. So by requiring two tests, by lowering the cycles, and by requiring that you actually have symptoms, in other words, you be ill in order to be tested, overnight we are going to see a decline in the cases of COVID. And that is going to be laid at the door of the COVID vaccine. It is going to be proof that the COVID vaccine worked. Yes, Alicia, Alice, sorry, it is good news that they're doing this finally, but they're not doing it for the right reason. It is a cynical and um, dishonest move on the part of the World Health Organization, who was involved in creating this false pandemic in the first place, and who um, are now saying, let's change the criteria, let's, let's change horses in midstream and make sure that it looks like the vaccine is working. Um, so this is another graph from the World Health Organization. These, this is total confirmed COVID deaths and cases worldwide. Um, you can barely even see the deaths because the line is right along the bottom. Um, I don't know if you can see it. It goes up slightly around 2000, uh, January 17th, 2021. But it's very, very low, the number of deaths. The number of cases is basically an exponential curve going up. And that's because we are using so many tests. We are testing so many asymptomatic people. And we are um, finding a lot of false positives. What we are going to see, and I predict this without fear or favor, what we are going to see is now that they've changed the diagnostic criteria, and that change was done on the 20th, of January, like I said, Inauguration Day in the United States, um, we will see that number of cases come down exponentially as well. We'll see a precipitous decline in the number of cases, and we will be told, isn't this wonderful news? We put out a vaccine, the vaccine worked, the cases are declining, everything is wonderful until we produce the next pandemic that we are going to produce. And we've already been told by this. Um, Anthony Fauci in the United States have said, this is not the big one. The big one is still coming. So because it worked, because it worked not just this year, but because it worked in 20, 2003 with SARS, because it worked with swine flu, avian influenza, MERS, um, oh gosh, all this, all the scandemics they have manufactured over the years because it's been so successful not for the population um, many of whom have 
um, been financially destroyed, uh, not for the people who have are suffering with mental health issues now because they've been in lockdown for so long. It hasn't worked for those people, but for the Bill Gates of the world, for the Anthony Fauci's of the world, for the pharmaceutical companies who are now rich beyond their wildest dreams, um, it is working. It is absolutely working. Now, I want to just look at some of the comments that people have been making. Um, Alice said, we have mandatory testing today, day 11 in quarantine in Melbourne after returning from Australia. Uh, I'm assuming you mean from overseas. And I, I don't know if, if it's worth it to you. You can refuse the test and, um, and you can then stay in quarantine for an extra 14 days. What I would recommend is that everyone in your party, and especially if there are children, demand that the test be given on the inside of the cheek and not in the nose. They are putting those test swabs so far up your nose that people are having brain leaks because it's going right into your brain and there have been children who have died from the test. So I recommend if you are being forced to take the test and you don't want to spend an extra 14 days in quarantine, which nobody would blame you for, that you insist that the test be done in the cheek. And it is perfectly valid to do that. You can demand, you say to them, where is it written that the test must be up my nose or up my child's nose? Demand that they do it in your cheek. Um, yes, Connie, uh, I'm going to speak about this a little bit later, but yes, this is a, they have prior. <laughs> this is what they do. Um, they always plan these things so that they can make the disease look as dreadful as possible and make people as much as possible want to take it. And yes, Deborah, this entire situation is built on lies. Um, our governments, our medical authorities, I'm not talking about the GPs at the coalface, I'm talking about the people who work in the medical authorities, in the Department of Health, in the AMA. There are so many liars there and um, they are corrupt. Absolutely, Connie. Um, now all the corrupt bodies of the world have an ally in Biden and his camp. All hell will prevail. I don't know about that. I mean, I was devastated when um, he won and was when he supposedly won, when he stole the election and was sworn in. But I think that already after only two days in office, um, people are starting to see what they've got. And I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, yeah, returning from Bali to Australia. Yeah, brain leakage is horrific and it can be deadly and especially for children. Um, they are putting this directly into the brain. I mean, it's like having a lobotomy. There is no reason um, why a test has to go that far up the nose. There is absolutely no reason. Um, I would say, now I don't know, Alice, but I would say that you should ask them to please show you in writing where it is stated that the test must be administered up the nose. And if they can't provide it, you say, I'm sorry, um, I will be speaking with a solicitor and I will be holding you personally accountable. What is your name? What is your address? Um, what is your home phone number? Put it on them. Put it back on them. Because honestly, I would not be taking that up my nose. I really wouldn't. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't point that thing at my forehead. Um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on too with the uh, temperature testing on the forehead. 
um, you have the right to ask them to test your temperature on your wrist. And actually, a wrist test is far more accurate than a forehead test. So you have these rights. Two nasal swabs and throat. Is that what they wanted you to each one of you, Alice? I've never heard of that. That's insane. Um, it is criminal, Blinda. I absolutely is criminal. I have my 14-year-old son with me. I... Uh, um, and these people are not trained enough to do the PCR test, nor are those who are taking the test trained enough not to cause harm. Um, so, yeah, what is your liability insurance number? That's a great, great question, too. Ask them, I'm sorry, can I please find out what company is representing you for liability insurance, what your number is with them, and please give me their phone number so I can call them should something go wrong, because I will be holding you personally accountable. You will see them change their tune very quickly. Um, so Alice, let me know how you go, but I think that if you use those tactics, you will be successful. Um, we are free people. We are free, free people, and we need to be able to tell them. Oh God. Yeah. Put it on them. Make them afraid. Right now they're trying to make you afraid. Your son has sensory processing disorder. Uh, they should not be doing that to him. Honestly, they should not be doing that to him. So, um, you know, let me know how you go. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So anyway, now I want to go over, we've looked at that graph showing the cases versus the deaths, which are basically a flat line. Um, this is the latest information from Australia. Um, right now in Australia, there are 28,750 total cases. These are the people who have tested positive. 0.2% of all tests administered have shown a positive result. There are 909 deaths Australia-wide. We know that the vast majority of those deaths are not actually deaths from COVID. Um, they are misdiagnoses. They are people who are intentionally putting COVID on the deaths. And they are people who've been encouraged to put COVID on the deaths. And 170 active cases now. There are, across this country of 25 million people, there are 32 cases currently in a hospital with COVID. 32 cases in the entire country. There is one person in intensive care. And if you don't think that this means that we have a storm in a teacup, I don't think that you're thinking. Now, the map in the upper right-hand corner of the page is a map of Australia showing the total number of cases and deaths in each state and territory. In New South Wales, which is the most populous state as far as I know, there have been 5,084 cases. Remember that most of those cases, the vast majority of them are completely asymptomatic. And asymptomatic is, a, is an expression we really shouldn't be using anymore. It just means those were tests that were taken in completely healthy people that came back positive because the PCR test is a complete piece of crap. 54 people have had their deaths put down as deaths due to COVID in New South Wales. The vast majority of those deaths um, have been people who are over the age of 75 and potentially over the age of 80. Now look at Victoria down the bottom. There have been 20,433 positive test results in Victoria, mainly because police went door to door and took tests from people. 
820 people died in Victoria. About 95% of those, from what I read most recently, were in aged care facilities. So these are people who would have died anyway, most likely. And the interesting thing about this statistic with Victoria is that since the very beginning, since March last year, Victoria has had the strictest lockdowns, the strictest requirement on masks, the, the most tyrannical government when it comes to this issue, um, keeping people on lockdown for months at a time. And yet, how successful have the masks been? How successful has the lockdown been when they have had many, many, many times the number of deaths and cases as every other state and territory in Australia? We are not looking at a success here. We are looking at an abject failure. Yes, Lucky said they want full-out totalitarianism. Rule of law is over. The courts are being converted now. Um, and you know what, Lucky? All the evidence available shows that that is exactly true. Yes, Steph, that's a very good point. She says most of the people who died because they're in aged care facility would more than likely have had their flu jab because they went through all of these facilities and vaccinated the majority of the residents there. Um, and in many cases, they, people didn't even know what they were getting vaccinated against. And there are studies showing that if you get a flu vaccine, you are much more likely to get a severe case of coronavirus. And those studies predated COVID-19. So yeah, it is, yeah, they locked a whole apartment building. It wasn't even an apartment building. It was a um, I don't know what they call it. In New York, we call them projects, but it's like a, a group of apartment buildings, mostly with recent um, immigrants to Australia. They locked them in their apartments. They were not allowed out, not even into the hallway. So we are looking at a, an illness, if it exists, which I really doubt that it does. But if, if we admit that COVID-19 does exist, if we believe that, um, we are looking at an illness that is just about one of the mildest illnesses we have in Australia today. If we look at the historic statistics for influenza, there are hundreds of times more cases every year reported and many more deaths. But where has influenza gone? I talked about this last week. Influenza is gone. It's completely gone. Now, we have this, this COVID-19 and next month, according to the government, we are going to have a vaccine. So what has been the experience overseas? We are lucky in Australia because we're, we're actually um, going to be getting the vaccine a bit later than other countries. So we have a chance to see what's going on. I'd like to show you something about Israel, which so far has the highest per capita uh, compliance with the COVID vaccine of any country in the world. Here are two very interesting tweets about Israel and the COVID vaccine and the number of positive tests and the number of COVID deaths. They were posted on January 19th, 2021 by Alex Berenson, who wrote for the New York Times for 10 years and has also been writing about COVID since the beginning. He notes, Israel now has far more people vaccinated than anywhere else in the world. Israel also has more new positive COVID tests per capita than any other country in the world. Even more interestingly, he says the weekly average of COVID deaths in Israel hit another all-time high today and has risen roughly fivefold since vaccinations began in early December. So what does this suggest to you about the vaccine? I know what it suggests to me. 
Hi, this is Laurie Hobbs. Okay, so if you have a vaccination that is introduced to prevent a disease and you end up having a five times increase in deaths and a great increase in cases, that suggests to me that the vaccine is not only deadly, but it is increasing the number of cases that are taking place. And what is happening around the world, and I talked about this a bit last week, is that people are getting the COVID vaccine and a week to 10 days later, they're testing positive for COVID. Whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic, they are getting tests, they are testing positive for COVID. So if we had a government that was actually using the best evidence, the best available evidence, first of all, we would not be looking at a vaccine at all because there are many uh, ways to make people healthier. Why hasn't the government once come out and said, maybe we should get more sunshine, maybe we should get more exercise, maybe we should look at what we're eating because healthy diet makes for healthy people. Healthy people makes for a strong immune system, which means that even if you get a cold, which is what COVID is, you're going to get over it. Maybe we should be doing all of these things. No, the government is saying, stay locked up in your house. Don't talk to people. Don't touch people. Don't feel loved. Don't feel anything. Just, you know, feel fear. We want you to feel fear because if you feel fear, you will listen to what we say and you will do what we say without question. Now, this is another, um, this is on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. It could be Facebook. Um, this is a story from the New York Times which doesn't report true stories very often, but in this case, they did. Up to 90% who tested positive for COVID using the PCR test were wrongly diagnosed. Well, that's really surprising, isn't it? Isn't that something we called months ago, that the PCR test is completely bogus and that people who are getting positive tests are simply getting a wrong diagnosis from the test? That's going to change with the repeating of the COVID test twice and with the requirement for people to actually have symptoms before they're tested. But the PCR test has done its job in spreading fear and panic and allowing the government to take away our rights and lock us down. I hope that when they continue this and when they bring it back, as they will, as Australia enters winter, we will be going back into lockdown if we allow it to happen, that people will rise up in Italy, which was one of the earliest hit countries for the pandemic. Um, I think it was 10,000. 10,000 restaurants opened up illegally. The government said all restaurants must remain closed. These restaurants said, stuff you, we're not going to stay closed. We're opening up. Over 10,000 of them did it. You know what happened? You know what happened with the government, with the police? Absolutely nothing happened. And the reason nothing happened is because 10,000 restaurants opened. People flocked to every one of those restaurants and ate out. And the government and the police were powerless to do anything about it because we hold the power. I say this all the time and it doesn't seem to get through to some people. Most people here watching this know that to be the fact. But we hold the power and only when we, when we kowtow to the government, when we are compliant, um, do they actually get away with the crimes they are committing right now. Uh, will Mark McGowan lock us down before or after his landslide election? Penny, are they using um, Dominion voting machines in West Australia? <laughs> uh, the systems are so corrupt. It's just amazing. I mean... 
the fact that people get voted in time and time again is proof that these people are just stealing elections like they did in the United States. Now, I'm only sharing this next slide because I want to show you that there is a game plan. I don't agree with everything on this slide. Um, and for those of you who have not gone to the World Economic Forum website, uh, I really urge you to. I think it's wef.com, but it might not be. Just put World Economic Forum into a DuckDuckGo search and you will see it. It is so blatant. There's nothing hidden here. There is a Great Reset. We were told the Great Reset is a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's a conspiracy, but it is not a theory in any way. So this slide basically covers how the pandemic is progressing from freedom to complete and total control and tyranny. It starts off with control the media and political parties. Tick. Done it. Release a lab-produced virus that's slightly more deadly than flu. Now, I don't agree with this one. I don't think any lab virus was released. I think China was used as a patsy. Not that I support the Chinese government. They're criminals and murderers. Um, but I don't believe that, that COVID-19 exists in the first place. I think this was planned years ago. And because viruses are invisible, because we can't see them with our eyes, um, the government can say anything they want. There's a stupidity virus and it's out there and people are catching it. That virus I agree with. But I don't believe there actually is a COVID-19 virus. And I know that I've spoken with James Lyons-Weiler and other people who say, yes, there is. I don't believe there is. And if there is, I don't believe that it's at all as dangerous as we've been told. But they say this, Dick, bombard the world with 24-7 COVID propaganda. You bet. Tick. Create fear and you can make people not think and you can make people obey. All you have to do is, I'm going to keep you safe from this. I'm your government. I won't hurt you. I'll protect you. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. But um, they've done that. Tick. Have the whole world in masks. Tick. There are so many people wearing masks in the most ridiculous of places. People wearing masks in their cars when they're alone. People wearing masks hiking in the woods. People wearing masks when they are yards or meters away from anyone else uh, because their brain is not working. And the longer they wear masks, the more oxygen deprived they become, the less likely their brain is to work. Um, develop AI algorithms that can identify masked people. Tick. I don't know if you've seen these aerial photographs of um, people walking down the street. I don't know if they're aerial. They're like from the uh, CCTV. They're, they're just up on light poles. And they are identifying and surrounding in red the people who are not wearing masks so that they can be singled out and the police can go and get them or anyone can go and get them. Uh, and make sure that they put their mask on. Um, I, I went to the eye doctor about two weeks ago, and when I went in, um, the woman behind the counter tried to hand me a mask. She said, you need to wear this. And I said, I'm not wearing that. And she said, oh, but you have to. You can't come in. Um, and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not wearing it. I can leave. That's fine, but I'm not wearing that. And she said, oh, I'll talk to the doctor about it. And I said, that's okay. I'll just go and sit there until you come back. And the doctor came out, no problem, didn't mention a word to me. Because if you stand up for your rights, most times, not all the time, but most times, they will back down, especially if you're confident. 
So the masks. Uh, and masks are a symbol of slavery for those who don't know. Just look at the history of slavery. Um, uh, roll out the Agenda 2030, and you can look up Agenda 2020 and 2030 on the internet. These are real things, um, and they are not conspiracy theories as much as people in mainstream who don't want you to read any of this information um, will let you know. Conflate COVID with Agenda 2030 is an opportunity to reset the world. Tick. Uh, again, the Great Reset from the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Um, you will have no freedom and you will be happier than you've ever been. These are the things they've been saying. Um, use PCR high amplifications to justify lockdown with high cases. We've discussed this. This is what happened at the beginning of the pandemic and has been happening until the 20th of January. Roll out the first placebo vaccine. Now, I don't think this is a placebo vaccine. I think there are people in high office, and it is so obvious. I mean, there have been videos. All you have to do is um, type into YouTube fake COVID vaccines, and you will see people being vaccinated with a syringe where there's no needle attached or a needle that retracts, where they have the needle, they put it into the person's arm, they pull the needle out, and there's no needle anymore because it retracted. There was no vaccination. There are so many vaccines like this, but the number of serious reactions and deaths that are occurring since vaccination started just a month ago um, are horrendous. It is, it is shocking, absolutely shocking. So where we are right now is use PCR low amplifications to prove that the vaccine worked. And that is a diagnostic change that took place. Yeah, Connie, one year on and people still can't see. That's what really gets me wake the hell up. I agree. I, I want to shake people sometimes and say, are you thinking? Are you capable of thinking? Why are you afraid of this virus? I am far more afraid of the government than I am of the virus. Um, because the government is the real virus. The government is the real threat to our health. So this is basically the game plan. And we are in it. And we are about halfway through it. So, yeah, they are dragging us down with them, Jenny. Absolutely. Um, Yes, uh, and I think they are getting fake no needles or B12 shots. I have no idea what's in the vaccines, but um, for instance, uh, Biden himself was vaccinated and they showed the vaccine and that vaccine never went into his arm. So, you know, it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And as I said last week, in the United States, in some hospitals, up to 80% of the staff are saying they will not take the vaccine. They just won't do it because they're not stupid. They know this vaccine is untested and unproven and unsafe. And most of them know it's ineffective too because it's never been tested to see whether it can prevent anything. This is a recent article that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. Again, this, this link will be on the AVN um, website when this video goes up there later this afternoon. Uh, it's called Beyond Politics, Promoting COVID-19 Vaccination in the United States. And it's all about how the medical community and the government can convince people who are hesitant about taking an untested, unsafe, ineffective vaccine to take it. Um, it's a psychological propaganda war for your mind. And it's been going on since March of 2020. So I'm going to, you can download the article and read it, but I've 
pulled out a couple of the um, the tables from this uh, article. This one, oh, actually, I should look at this one first. My, oh, no, I'm wrong. This one first. Um, this is talking about actions that can be taken to make healthcare professionals um, actually push the vaccine. And you can read their long list. It's a long list. But I want to pull out a couple of really important factors. Um, for instance, local clinics and practices, care facilities, e.g. nursing homes, um, develop prompts to persuade vaccine-hesitant patients and offer compromises. I wonder what compromise they're going to take uh, in a care home. Take this vaccine and we'll give you dinner tonight. That's a compromise. Um, make vaccination status observable in your community. Do you get that? They want to make sure that people in the community know who is vaccinated and who is not. And as we've seen with all the snitches that have come out, the Nazi snitches that are coming out and turning their neighbors in for having an extra person in their house or uh, not social distancing outside of their house, um, that it plays right into the hands of the government um, with their tactics. Uh, hospital management, um, add incentives for employees, even if vaccination is mandated. So if they make it mandatory, um, you know, you get a free burger at McDonald's next week if you take this vaccine. Train PR office personnel for coordinated responses to new events. That's right out of the Nazi playbook. Let's use propaganda. Because one thing I noticed here, not one place, is actual education about COVID-19 and the vaccination stated as a goal because education goes against the playbook. Education means that people are informed about what the vaccine can and cannot do. And um, if they know what the vaccine really is, they will say no. So we can't really educate people. We just want to pressure them make them full of fear and make sure that they do exactly what they're told to do. Um, for state and county health agencies, um, let me just see, create materials for medical personnel for responding to common questions and concerns. That's, that's quite concerning in and of itself. If a medical professional does not know how to answer questions about this vaccine, they shouldn't be administering it. If you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it, especially when you're holding someone's life and future in your hands. So this is quite concerning. Um, partner with local celebrities and trusted community leaders to protect vaccinations. Have you seen all of those commercials that have been pushed with um, people who are actors and actresses and singers and sports heroes saying, get your COVID vaccine, do it now, it's wonderful. Um, that is a tactic that is being used because for some reason, we tend to think, and when I say we, I do not mean me or most of the people watching this, uh, but uh, there is a large sector of the community who thinks that because you're famous, you know everything, or in the case of Bill Gates, uh, because you're incredibly rich, you know everything. Well, money doesn't buy brains, and celebrity does not buy experience or knowledge, and these people are just, they're pushing an agenda, and they should not be listened to. Um, advocacy groups, um, e.g. the AARP, which is the American Association of Retired People, and NAACP, um, 
I don't even know if the name is still National Association of Colored People, but it's an organization for African Americans. And the fact that they are targeting African Americans here when, when they know that African Americans and people of color tend to have more reactions, not less, to vaccines is not only cynical, it's criminal. So um, select analogies for use in messaging, train PR, train PR office personnel, again, develop mailing for client segments. Um, this, yeah, used car salespersons, that's and just as trustworthy as the average, and I'm not saying used car salespeople aren't trustworthy, I'm saying that there is a, um, a generalization about used car salespeople, and uh, that's basically what this is all about training everybody who who is pushing this vaccine to be a used car salesperson. I'll get it for your wholesale. I'll lower the sticker price. You won't have any sticker shock, but you will go into shock. I mean, it is just insane. And I'm going to very briefly go over this other table. You probably can't see it, but as I said, um, it is something that, uh, sorry, it is something that, um, we can download for free from the New England Journal of Medicine. It goes over, um, find a common enemy. How do you like that? Uh, message testing to determine what common enemies resonate across two polarized groups. Look for an enemy that pro sorry, prompts more animosity than the opposite group does. So pit anti-vaxxers against pro-vaxxers, pit people who believe in Western medicine with people who don't believe in Western medicine, divide and conquer. That is their tactic. That is what they want you to do. And not only is this cynical and, and wrong and tyrannical, but the fact that they have put this all in writing shows that they believe that we can be convinced by these tactics. They know that people in our community are never going to be convinced by these tactics. What they're actually targeting is the people who are sitting on the fence. The 80% of doctors in certain hospitals who say they're not going to take the vaccine. The more than 60% of Americans who say they're not going to take the vaccine. I have not yet seen a survey of Australians to see what their opinion is about this vaccination. But I don't see any reason why it should be different from that in the United States. And that is the biggest fear of the people who are pushing these shots. Their biggest fear is that the vaccine is going to be rejected. And if it's rejected, that um, their campaign will not be successful. It's all about the campaign. It's all about the money. It's all about the politics. It's all about control. And it's nothing to do with health, nothing whatsoever to do with health. It is admitted that this vaccine cannot prevent you from getting or spreading COVID-19, which is why they're saying that even if you're vaccinated, you will still have to continue wearing a mask and social distancing. So what is the benefit of being vaccinated? And the number of reactions that are being reported is shocking. And anyone who's paying attention will be saying there is no way in hell that we are taking this shot. Now, this is an article from Thailand. Strangely enough, it's very hard to find many reports about this event in mainstream media. In California, um, large, a large lot of the Moderna vaccine has been withdrawn because there were 10 serious reactions. 
within a very short space of time after it was administered. Now, the Moderna is a messenger RNA vaccine. We discussed this a bit last week. Um, and what they've done is they've withdrawn this lot. For those who don't know the history of lots and batches, um, it's an interesting history. And back in the 1970s, there was an episode, I'm pretty sure it was in Tennessee. Um, it could have been in Pennsylvania, though. It's been a while since I've read this. Um, there was a large cluster of sudden infant death syndrome uh, in a group of people living very geographically close to each other. And the common denominator was that all these babies had recently received a DPT vaccine. That's diphtheria, tetanus, and whooping cough. And what happened was there was a government investigation. This was in the 1970s. Today, there would be no government investigation. It would, not, it would just be put down to bad luck. It would never be associated with the vaccine. But back then, there was a government investigation, and the government said, yes, the vaccine has killed these children. Um, and what happened, I, I think Wyeth was the manufacturer of the vaccine at that time. Uh, an internal memo was leaked about 15 years after this event from Wyeth. And what it showed was that vaccines are produced in large batches. And those batches were sent out complete. So there may be a batch number that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 97. So there could be tens of thousands of individual doses in that one batch, and they would all be sent to one area. And because of that, when there was a reaction to that batch, it was very obvious that it was the batch because all of them were in the same area, all of them were vaccinated around the same time, and all of them had a similar reaction. In this case, it was death. In the memo that was leaked by the drug company, what they said was the way we are going to stop this from happening in the future, we're not going to make the vaccine any safer. We're not going to try and figure out why these children died. We're not going to do anything whatsoever to try and stop this from happening in the future. We are going to break up these batches into smaller lots. And these lots will be sent to very diverse areas so that when you have a death here and a death there, they're going to be ge geographically um, far apart so you will never associate the administration of the vaccine with the death of the child. This is, these are the companies that we're supposed to be trusting with our life. These are the criminal organizations, the cabals that are out there to make money regardless of the cost to us and our children. And we need to, yes, incredibly evil. Deborah, you are absolutely right. This is unbelievably evil. And these companies the people who work on their boards, they are evil. They know they are killing people. They are perfectly well aware of it. They have paid tens of billions, with a B, of dollars in fines for fraud that has led to the death and disablement of millions and tens of millions of people. And they don't care. That's just the cost of doing business because they are making so much money from their products that if they injure and kill people and pay fines, they just tack that price onto the cost of their drugs and vaccines. And it is another one of the reasons why Trump had to go because he, for the first time in God knows how long, had passed executive orders that took profits away from the drug companies. So this case with Moderna is interesting because what they did was they sent a very large batch of the vaccine to this one area and in a very short time, 10 people 
had been seriously injured by the vaccine. And they've withdrawn that batch, but they're continuing to administer Moderna vaccines. And I would have no doubt that they've said, let's split them up. Let's split them up. We can't make that mistake again. Um, who gets the proceeds of the fines, the victims or the government? It depends. Um, the victims generally don't get the proceeds of the fines unless there is a class action and there have been many class actions and victims have been paid out. But if a whistleblower releases information, then the whistleblower gets, I think, one third of the fine. So whistleblowers have made billions of dollars and good on them. Uh, but the government gets the balance. And what they do with that money, I have no idea. I'm sure they don't put it to good use because the government never puts our money to good use. Um, so this is what we're seeing in the United States and around the world, large numbers of serious reactions. In Norway, there have been, I think, 40 deaths uh, following the vaccine in elderly people because in Norway, they've only given the vaccine to older people at this point in time, mostly people in nursing homes. And the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, um, God bless them, um, the TGA did an investigation into the Norwegian deaths and they said, oh, these were old people who would have died anyway. And as someone who is quickly approaching her 65th birthday in a couple of years, uh, at, a, at a time when being that age is going to be considered old, um, I don't like the idea that somebody says that I am old and my death is going to happen anyway, so I may as well die from a vaccine. Sorry, that's not it. Um, so... We are seeing, for instance, in Norway, in the first three months of the COVID pandemic in Norway, there were five deaths that were put down to COVID, five. Okay, in the first month of the COVID vaccine in Norway, 40 people died from vaccination. And they haven't said conclusively that all of them died from vaccination, but they all died within a short time of getting the vaccine. So if we're looking at a balance of benefits versus risks, which one would you go with? If you were informed that five people died in an entire country in three months from a disease, supposedly, again, we don't know whether they actually died from COVID or not, and 40 people died from a vaccine, I'd take my chance with COVID. Thank you very much. Now, this next story, this is, I posted this a week ago, Monday, the 18th of January on Twitter. It's Monday, the 18th of January. Do you know where Tiffany Dover is? Now, for those of you who don't remember Tiffany Dover, she was one of the first people in the United States to get the vaccine. I'll just get off of that. Um, she was one of the first people to get the vaccine. And I think it was 17 minutes after the vaccination, she was being interviewed on live television and she put her hand to her head and then she fainted. And... She was interviewed again a few minutes after that saying, no, she felt fine. She always faints when she gets a shot. And I'm thinking, if she always faints when she gets a shot, why in the world would she be the person that they interviewed on television? And the interesting thing is the very next day, there was a death notice for a Tiffany. She has a very unusual name, Tiffany. I forget her second name, Tiffany something Dover. There was a death notice for someone with that name and it said brother of blah, blah, blah. And that is Tiffany Dover's brother. Now, we were told the next day that she was fine. And they did a photo op in the hospital where they showed about 20 or 30 nurses lined up on a staircase, all of them with masks on. And 
they had this one nurse who they said was Tiffany Dover. But when you put the pictures side by side, it was not Tiffany Dover. Is Tiffany Dover alive or dead? Did one of the first people in the United States who got that vaccine and then fainted on television die? According to people who know the family, she died 10 hours later. She has not posted on Facebook after posting almost daily. She has not posted on Instagram again after posting almost daily. Pontus, thank you. That was her second name, Tiffany Pontus Dover. Is this a massive cover-up? And if so, how many other deaths following the vaccination are we not hearing about? How many other serious reactions after vaccination are we not hearing about? I would guess that this is just the tip of a massive iceberg. And one of the things that's taking place right now, I was on a Zoom meeting. I had to get up at four in the morning because it took place in the United States with a group that is putting together an international database where people around the world can report their reactions following any vaccines. Um, and you can report your own reaction if you're in Israel, if you're in Iran, if you're in South America, wherever you are, you will be able to report your reactions. It will be collected into a database that is securely stored and that information will be accessible in a de-identified manner to groups like the AVN so that we can say, well, actually VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System in the United States, or the DAEN, the Database of Adverse Event Notifications in Australia, say that there's been one death following vaccination, but we have reports of 15 deaths in Australia. So which one is it? Um, we need to get this information and we need to get it quickly. So this database is going to be starting very soon. Keep your eyes open on the AVN's newsletter because we will be publicizing it um, probably sometime next week. And when it comes out, I need every single one of you who is watching this and your friends and your family and your business associates to share it because the only way that we will ever be able to demonstrate clearly how dangerous this vaccine is, is by making sure that every reaction, every death is counted. Oh, yes. Oh, Wendy, I saw that. I'm devastated. Hank Aaron, who is one of my favorite baseball players, um, died two and a half weeks after his um, COVID jab. And they're all saying that it had nothing to do with the shot. But just like Tiffany Dover, um, I believe it did. He was a healthy man. He was old. He was in his 80s, but he was healthy and he got the vaccine. And I don't know the, um, the, the details. Was he sick immediately following the vaccine? Did he die two weeks later? Just like that um, obstetrician in the United States I talked about last week who got the vaccine and within a couple of days developed ITP, thrombocytopenia, a bleeding disorder, and then died two weeks later. There was a two-week gap between his vaccination and death, but his health was affected almost immediately. So, um, yeah, well, you see, this should be done for all vaccines. Pamela said it will be done for all vaccines because the data will not be held by a government authority that is going to cover it up. In the, in the um, database in Australia, many deaths and serious reactions have been removed from the database for no reason. They've just been taken out and the, the um, statistics have been skewed. 
And as it is, the statistics only represent about 1% of the real adverse reactions and deaths following vaccines. So we can't really count on any of that information to be correct or real. Um, William is showing um, the death record for Tiffany Dover is shown at about 6.30, and he's got a video here. So if anybody wants to know more about that, go take a look. I haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen that particular video. But, um, yep. And Lucky says, get out now to places that refuse tyranny and evil. You have actually, Lucky, given me a segue <laughs> to um, what I wanted to discuss next. I've, I'm, you know, being American and being older, I remember a campaign in the 1980s. I didn't remember that it was in the 1980s. I thought it was actually earlier called Just Say No. And this was a campaign against drugs, against drug abuse, um, which to me, vaccination is drug abuse. Um, I'd like to just play this commercial. Look at the hair and what these people are wearing. Did we really dress like that? That's a good pot for you. No. Cocaine? No, thanks. Yo, my man, you want some nudes? No way. If someone offers you drugs, instead of saying something you really don't mean, just say, No. Got some cents a million for you. No. No. No big production number. Just say, No. You'd be surprised how well it works. I no. So, in my head, that, that really... It's very much what we have to do now. Just say no. Like those 10,000 restaurants in Italy, when they said, we are opening up and we don't care what you say, the government had to back down. And they did back down. And the police backed down. The problem is that when one of us says no, it's not enough. When 10 of us say no, it's still not enough. When thousands of us say no, it's good. It's getting there. <laughs> so we need to all say no. Do you remember that too, Kathleen? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I thought in my head, I had to look up and see if it was online. Just say no, because I remember that. Um, and that's what we have to do. We have to just say no. Um, there is another little video I'd like to share with you. This is from, uh, this is from Utah in the United States. In a world of masks, who is left to defend your rights? They came from the farthest reaches of the Wasatch Front. They did the unthinkable. The only thing missing was you. Unless you were there, then you weren't missing. But they're going to do it again, and again, and again, every single Thursday. Now you don't have to shop in fear. Each time, Defending Utah will tell you the location via our text messaging program. Text Defending Utah to 555-888. That's 555-888. Text Defending Utah to 555-888. So just going shopping right now is a revolutionary act. And this is the kind of thing that we can do here. Now, 
I don't know how to say this nicely. We have had so many people out there saying, what is the AVN doing to stop what's happening? What are you doing to stop what's happening? That video was just a group of people in the Wasatch area of, of Utah, which I've been in, I've stayed there many a winter, um, who have gone out shopping without a mask in contravention to the mask mandates and have been successful. And they say they're going to do it every Thursday until the mask mandate is gone. A very small act, but it's something that is going to have a very big effect, especially as it grows. In our local area, I've mentioned this before, we have something called um, Uniting the Shire, where we have groups that come together every single Sunday. We break up into workshops. We learn about growing our own fruits and vegetables. We learn about, uh, for instance, we're going to have delegations to go and visit the local members of parliament. We're going to visit the police. We're going to speak to these people and t talk to them as part of their community and say, this is the information that we have. You need to know this information. So these are the things that we are doing in our local area. What are you doing in your local area? You need to start in your community. You need to start uniting your own shire. You need to start getting together with people who are similar to you. We started uniting the shire maybe four months ago with a group of probably 20 people. We fit into someone's lounge room. Now we are outgrowing where we are. There were about 150 there last week and we couldn't fit everyone into the one venue. So it was a little bit difficult, but it's growing because people are hearing about it and people are wanting to get involved. I know that many of you are feeling helpless and hopeless, but you are not helpless and the situation is not hopeless. Only if we don't do anything is it hopeless. And Kelly says, I haven't worn a mask. Exemption extends anyway. Who isn't anxious these days? Um, and exactly. You in Australia, and this is something we are going to be sharing right now. Um, there has been a letter written that deals with mandatory masks, mandatory testing, and mandatory um, the signing in, you know, the QR codes. Um, all of those things are illegal in Australia. And what we're doing is there is a group of volunteers or a volunteer, I'm not sure. Um, Nadine has found someone who, or someones who are going to research the laws in each state. But in every state, those things are illegal. So what we are writing, and it's not us, if this was written by a local group, we're just helping to distribute it and helping to research it. Um, these should be up on the AVN website sometime in the very near future, hopefully next week, uh, to say this is the notice to you. What you are, the action you are taking is illegal. I am putting you on notice that if you continue with this action, I will be holding you personally accountable and I will be taking you to court. It is time to turn the tables. It is time to make them accountable for breaking the law because we are law-abiding citizens of a democracy. So, yes, create your own local group, Lucky. This is what I'm saying. We need to have the support of our community. And right now, we're a bunch of diverse people living in one area who don't even know that the other people exist. 
So it's time to get out there and start meeting them. Um, go to your local child care centers. Go to your local... I don't even know where you find people. There are groups all around Australia. We give people, we put people in contact with groups all the time. If there is no group in your area, start one. I started the AVN 20, gosh, 25, 26 years ago. I've lost count. It was in 1994, 27 years ago. Um, just myself with three other people, and it's grown to what it is today. If I did it, and I have no special talents, I have no special capacity or knowledge, if I could do that, then you can do it in your area too. Not only can you do it, you have to do it. Because next month, the vaccine is coming out. And there are many, many bodies in Australia who want this vaccine to be compulsory. And we need to stop that. And we need to stop it now. Now, this is a letter that came to me this morning. Um, someone sent it to me. Thank you so much for doing that. I've taken your name off. This is from the United Workers Union. Now, I have no idea what industry United Workers Union um, actually supports. But what they've done is they have said, National Cabinet today discussed the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines and its impact on aged care workers. Okay, so the United Workers Union must represent aged care workers. Um, after the meeting, the federal government advised, based on health advice, there were currently no plans to mandate or force, I'm so glad they said that, aged care workers to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Sadly, they have been forcing aged care workers to get a flu vaccine since last year. However, the federal government said it will be actively encouraging the residents of aged care and people working in aged care, both staff and visiting contractors, to get the vaccine as soon as they can. And then they explain the reasons why they want to do that. Now, the next page is... Uh, the start date for the vaccine, suggested start date for the vaccine is February 15th for the Pfizer shot with aged care workers among those um, at the front of the queue. Aren't they lucky? However, the federal government made it clear it would rely on the regulator, the TGA, to ensure that the vaccine passed all the necessary safety standards. Now, the TGA does not test any vaccines. It does not, it does not test any drugs. It does not test any medical devices. It simply relies on the manufacturer to tell them whether it's safe and effective or not, and based on that, it rubber stamps them. So if we are relying on the vaccine regulator to show that these are safe and effective, uh, we are being seriously misinformed. Um, finally, we understand there has been considerable debate and concern about the vaccine and when and how it is rolled out. That includes considerable debate about whether individual employers are able to require their staff to take the vaccine. We are writing to all aged care employers nationally to remind them that if they are considering forcing aged care workers to have the vaccine, they need to consult with the workers before that decision is taken. We would see a first question employers need to answer is whether their actions are consistent with both the letter and the spirit 
of the guidelines being issued by the federal government's health professionals. As you can see, there is still plenty up in the air when it comes to understanding how the COVID-19 rollout affects aged care workers. Rest assured, your union will be keeping you up to date with the latest and attempting to address concerns as they arise. This is a good union. This is a union that is trying to represent its members, regardless of their um, thoughts on this vaccine. They are saying that they, the, the people who they represent need to be consulted before they're forced to do something. Um, this is in opposition to the uh, ANMF union. Um, that's the Australian Nursing and Medwifery Foundation. This is a comment that was made on our website. I emailed my union to gauge support for a conscientious objection to vaccinations and received a very disturbing reply. In a nutshell, they support vaccination of all healthcare members, and the reply was accompanied by three documents clarifying this position. In other words, they will not be supporting a conscientious objection. The government is not making it mandatory. They don't need to. They just need employers to stipulate it as a condition of employment supported by the unions. Healthcare workers who refuse to agree to it will essentially become unemployable. Checkmate. Serene is one of our only hopes at this point in time. However, knowing how corrupted our legal system is leaves me with very little optimism. And this was another letter that I received today. Um, this was from someone who went to Services New South Wales uh, an office and they were told that they would be required to get a, a temperature check from memory. I don't think it was wearing a mask. And they did not go into the services New South Wales office because they refused to wear the mask and they are going to be taking further action on this. Now, Serene Tefaha, for those of you who don't know, is a lawyer in Victoria who is preparing a class action against these mandates. Um, she should be launching, I think, within the next month, the class action. Now, right now, what the AVN is doing is seeking the services and advice of employment lawyers. If anyone out there is an employment lawyer, someone who specializes in employment law, if anyone out there knows an employment lawyer, we want to speak with them because what we want is for general advice to be written. We are happy to pay for it. Though, of course, if they want to do it pro bono, we will not say no. But we need to get this general advice on what an employee's rights are when it comes to being forced to take an action that they believe is not in their best interest. In other words, can you refuse to take the COVID vaccine when it comes out? This is something that we are hoping to have in the coming weeks before the vaccine um, is introduced in Australia. In around the world, there are teams of attorneys who are coming out and taking governments to court over this. Where the heck are the Australian lawyers? Why? Don't you have children? Don't you feel that your rights are being impinged? We have lawyers like Serene and Ben, who she's working with. There are other lawyers who have stepped forward and have said that they would like to help. But we need more. We need barristers. We need QCs. We need all kinds of lawyers out there to come forward and say, no, we're not going to charge you $50,000 for this. We believe that this is an important issue. We believe it is an unconstitutional thing that the government is doing and discussing doing. Um, and 
let me be very clear. The government has not said they're going to make vaccinations mandatory. Uh, what they've said is that their actions are hope. They are hoping to buy their actions. They are hoping to inspire employees to be vaccinated by their employers. So they're passing the buck to the employers and saying, you tell your employees that if they don't get vaccinated, they can't work. So in other words, tell them that they are going to be on the breadline. And of course, that breadline is going to be very short because the government is already talking about no jab, no pension, no jab, no Centrelink, no jab, no school. We will be locked in our house. We will be starved to death. And we will be put in a place where we either take this vaccine and take a chance on being killed or permanently injured by it, or we don't and we find another way to live. So this is why community is so important. This is why standing up now while we still can stand up is so important. On the 20th of February, nationwide, there will be rallies around Australia against this vaccination and its introduction as a coerced or mandatory shot. If you do not go to your closest rally, you are not doing the right thing by yourself and your family. I'm saying it quite clearly right here and right now. I don't care if you're afraid of getting arrested, get arrested. It's no big deal. You will be released and you can fight it in court. I will be there. I'm hoping to go to Queensland. It really depends on whether the border is closed or open. If I can't get to Queensland, I'm driving to Sydney. Uh, but I will be there. And I hope to see tens of thousands of you there as well. Um, Mish, it was the 20th of February. Um, if you are not already a subscriber to the AVN's free newsletter, go to avn.org.au and sign up. It's The form is right there on the home page. All you need to do is fill in your first name and your email address. We sent out a newsletter yesterday that has this information in it. And we will have more details uh, as time gets closer about where these events are going to be. <laughs> Steph says she's making a new tiara for a new year. I can't wait to see you wearing it, Steph. Um, where do we find info on the local rally? Lori, Laurel, sorry. Um, what you do is there will be pages up on Facebook. God knows if those pages will be staying up. But if you are subscribed to the AVN newsletter, you will find the information. Let me tell you, the AVN is not organizing any of these rallies. We are helping to promote them. Um, and we are cooperating with whoever is promoting the rallies to make sure they are as successful as possible. It is up to each one of you to get out there and not only get out there, Drive. If you're driving to the location, take as many people as your car, bus, motorhome, whatever will hold. We need to get there in numbers. We need to get there. Mel says, start growing food and forming alternative communities. We will begin our own societies. Homeschooling is gaining even more popularity and is a beautiful movement of raising free thinkers. I second everything you're saying, Mel. That is exactly what we need to do, and it's what we're doing in the Shire here. And it is what is happening across Australia. Tell the government we don't need them. We don't want them. We honestly do not require them to be in every aspect of our life. Let them build the roads. Let them, um, you know, have a standing army. And that's about it. We don't need them. Let them pick up the garbage. Um, so these are the things that are happening in Australia right now. And 
around the world, as I said, there are law cases starting. Are you opposed to mandatory vaccinations? So am I. My name is Karen Selleck. I'm a retired constitutional lawyer in Canada. I don't intend to get vaccinated, and I'm doing something to make sure that no Canadian is forced to be vaccinated without their fully informed consent. I'm working as a volunteer fundraiser for the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms, jccf.ca. Together, we are organizing a team of lawyers to fight any attempt by any level of government to force vaccinations on the population in general or on any segment of the population. Nobody should be forced to accept an injection in order to work in their chosen occupation or to get an education or get a passport or get a driver's license. These are my beliefs. First, that COVID-19 is not a serious threat to the health of most Canadians. Second, that vaccines can damage people's health. Third, there are other ways people can prevent or treat viral infections. And fourth, once a person gets jabbed with these new mRNA vaccines, there will be no going back. I also understand that information about all of these subjects is being heavily censored. The JCCF has stood up for freedom of expression many times in its 10-year history. Please help me. We need to raise the first $20,000 immediately to get our legal research done and be ready for whatever the government tries to spring on us next. To donate online, go to jccf.ca and look for the donation button in the upper right-hand corner. If you prefer, you can also send a check to this address. I'll leave this up for a few seconds. Please take a screenshot and set up your own reminder. Whether you donate online or by check, please specify that your donation is for the Mandatory Vaccination Constitutional Challenge. You can send an email to admin at jccf.ca to let them know. My household has already donated $2,000 towards this fund and will probably give more. We're determined to shatter this totalitarian nightmare. Not everyone can afford an amount like that, but please, even $50 or $100 will help. One final point. You may already have donated towards another lawsuit that was started back in July, and you may be thinking, what's the difference? Why should I donate to another one? Here's the answer. That existing lawsuit involves only one lawyer, and it tackles numerous issues, lockdowns, masks, business closures, and so on. The action I'm talking about will have a team of lawyers and will tackle only one issue, mandatory vaccinations. We won't get distracted from that main goal. Please get on board. If you want to get in touch with me, please look for me on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Parler, Telegram, or MeWe. Just spell my name right and you'll find me. It's Karen Selleck. Thanks in advance for your donation. And there is another international lawsuit. For the people who are looking for the link to that video, go to jccf.ca and it's there. But I will be putting all of these links up on the AVN Facebook page uh, later on this afternoon when this video is uploaded to there. So um, you will have all of these links. Um, 
So those of you who are worried about not being able to see it or find it, I will make sure that you have the link to it. And that lawsuit, along with the other lawsuit in Canada, which has been successful in one of the provinces, I think it's New Brunswick, um, is actually going to make a big difference. So just fighting in the local community is fantastic. But this is a war. I mean, last week I said that this bunker is really a bunker because we are at war with our own government. Or to put it more accurately, our government is at war with us. Um, so in a war footing, there are multiple fronts and the legal front is just one. So yeah, New Brunswick, thank you, Lucky. I appreciate that. Um, so those of you who are able to support that, please do so. Uh, and especially if you're in Canada. And if you are in Canada, um, support Vaccine Choice Canada as well. They are doing amazing work. They're like an AVN counterpart in Canada. And um, for those of you in Australia, if you are not yet a member of the Australian Vaccination Risks Network or the AVN, I would urge you, if it's at all possible, if you have $25, to join the organization because we need your help as well. Um, the legal advice that we are seeking on the employment issue um, may cost us many, many thousands of dollars. So it is important that we are funded as well. Um, and we do put in a lot of our own time and money, but uh, there's only so much we can do. So any help that you can provide to the AVN, just go to avn.org.au and join the AVN. Or if you're able to, give a donation as well. But we need your memberships more than donations. We need to have strong memberships. Um, uh, now, Sebastian has, has just asked, he says he needs more information on starting local groups. Um, this... Thursday, this coming Thursday, we are having our first AVN Zoom for the year. We started this last year and it was incredibly successful. Um, it is only open to members of the AVN. It is one of the perks of being a member. The committee will be in attendance. We're sending the invitations out this Tuesday. Um, I don't even know what date that is. I think it's the 26th. Um, but we are sending out the invitations on Tuesday. So if you are not yet a financial member, it is the 26th. If you are not yet a financial member of the AVN, please go to the website and join. If you are a member, you will get an invitation in your emails on the 26th of January. If you don't see the invitation, check your spam folder because um, thank you to all those wonderful domain hosts out there. Um, AVN.org.au is marked as spam by many domain host. So just check your um, spam folder, your junk folder, and see if the email is in there. And what we are asking for the people who are attending this meeting is to email us in advance a list of questions that you would like help with. And Sebastian, the question about how to start a local group or how to get in touch with your local group is one of those questions that I think would be wonderful to deal with at the meeting. So if you're not a member yet, join come to the meeting and that question will hopefully be dealt with if someone has sent it to us in advance. Um, Mel has asked if there is a Tasmanian AVN group. The AVN is a national organization. We don't have local support groups, but we are supportive of and in contact with many local groups. There is a group in Hobart. There is a group in Launceston that I'm aware of. There could be other groups. I think there might be one in Bishano, but I'm not sure. Um, send a message to AVN Enquiries 
at avn.org.au and inquiries is spelled with an E. So A-V-N-E-N-Q-U-I-R-I-E-S at avn.org.au. Give us your suburb and say you would like to be put in touch with a local group. If there is a local group, we will put you in touch with them. If there isn't, start one. And what would be really helpful to include on your email is your social media, a link to your social media profile. So a Facebook profile or a Twitter profile, just so that um, there is a way to check you out. Because most of these groups are private groups and they try to keep their members safe. So please include a Facebook or Twitter or Parler. I mean, Parler's not up right now, but hopefully they'll be up again soon or a Gab profile. And that reminds me, we have been off of Facebook for over a week and it's been wonderful. Um, Our Gab.com and our Telegram pages, I keep thinking telephone, our Telegram pages have gone off completely. We have so many people joining us there and so many wonderful comments. So we are not missing Facebook one little bit. We will only be using Facebook for Facebook Lives and for Under the Wire. So, um, Uh, It is, Michael has asked what the website is. For some reason, I'm not able to type this here, but it is AVN, short for Australian Vaccination Network, dot O-R-G dot A-U. So if you just go there in the top menu bar, there's something that says join support. Click on that. You can either join or um, give a donation or do both if you feel like that. Um, Oh, thank you, Karen. Karen says she's joining and she urges everyone else to join. Feel free to share that link on your own personal pages as well. Uh, The more people who join the AVN, the stronger our organization is, the more we can help you. So, uh, no, it's not (laughs) A-B-N. It's A-V for vaccination N. Uh, So it's avn.org.au. And Telegram, I'll tell you what, um, who asked that? Mish. Mish asked what the Telegram handle is. If you go to the top of this page, the um, and if you're watching us on the AVN page, that's what I'm saying. Um, if you go to Facebook and type in at avn.org.au, you will come to the AVN's Facebook page and the pinned post on the top of the page has links to all of our social media. That's Telegram, um, Parler, which hope we hope will be up again soon, Gab, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. I'm trying to remember. MeWe, we're on so many social medias. Adam has just posted, thank you so much, Adam, um, the AVN link. So just click on that and that'll take you to our, oh, and Alice has done it too. Thank you, Alice. I appreciate it. Uh, and the Telegram chat, as I said, is on the top pinned post of the AVN Facebook page. So just go to the very top of the page. There's a pinned post there, and it has links to all of those. It says goodbye Facebook on it, uh, a big picture that says goodbye Facebook. So just look at that post, and you'll see it. Um, And we hope that lots of you will join us there and leave Facebook. And I'll tell you something else I've been doing, because censorship is one of the things that the AVN as an organization and I as a person oppose absolutely. When I'm on Facebook, when I'm on Twitter, and I see an ad or, or a promoted post come up, I click on the, t- the three little dots at the top, and I say, I don't want to see this. If you take their advertising income away from them, you are 
helping to make sure that they stop doing what they're doing. And I believe that between Facebook and Twitter, they've lost over $52 billion in market share since they started their censorship campaign. So we do have power. We really do. Now, I want to end today's program on an up note because there has been an amazing victory in the vaccine safety and choice community. For those of you who don't know Del Pigtree and The High Wire, you are really missing out. The High Wire is an amazing show. It's on the day before Under the Wire comes out in Australia. So it is on um, in the United States on, on Thursday, in Australia on Friday. And um, Del Bigtree, who runs the organization, has just had an incredible victory. They have fought the Centers for Disease Control Prior to now, prior to this week, um, there has been a large notice on the page of the CDC where it says vaccines do not cause autism. Um, ICANN, which is the organization that Del Bigtree started, um, has taken the CDC to court and that has now been changed. They still say there is no link between vaccines and autism, but they do not state categorically that vaccines do not cause autism because they can't. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. Vaccines can and do cause autism. There are many, many studies that show that clearly. And we are on a winning streak here because Dell Bigtree was able to get the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, to actually remove that wording from their website. It's a small victory, but it's a start. And we really need to have that start. And Penny um, asked a few minutes ago, I can't find it anymore because it's gone up the list, how I'm handling not being able to go home and see my family in the U.S. It's not easy, Penny. But um, we will not fly to the U.S. until uh, this situation has been sorted. But I don't know how many of you have heard that a new airline has been started in Europe. I think it's called Freedom Air. And they are specifically stating that they will not give in to the pressure to test people for COVID or to keep people off the plane if they have refused to test. Uh, They are not going to mandate masks on the plane and they are going to allow anyone to fly. And I think that sort of thing is pretty amazing. Oh, Karen says she has three grandchildren gravely ill and autistic from the MMR vax after their vax. And what the medical community will say to you is that you have no evidence that one followed the other or that one caused the other. And I say that you have all the evidence because what you saw with your own eyes, what happened to your family is the truth. And anyone who tells you differently is lying. And that's basically it. So, um, We are powerful, we are winning, and we need to stand together, unite, be strong, take action. Uh, We need to get out on the 20th of February and support our local um, protest march, our rallies about this issue, and we need to stop saying yes and just say no when someone asks us to take a COVID test, when they ask us to put on a mask, and when they ask us eventually to take a vaccine. If you don't think it's the right thing for you, just say no. You have the freedom to do this. You have the strength to do this. You are supported. 
get your community together, make sure that you support your individual rights and your community rights, and we will win this thing. We need to stand together. We need to be united. And um, this week, there is some an event happening called The Greater Reset. Um, you can register for it. It is going to be an amazing event. I think it takes place over six days on the internet. And just do a, a web search for The Greater Reset. Not The Great Reset. That's something completely different. But The Greater Reset. And you will see it. Share it. Please support the AVN. Please, wherever you are in the world, support your local organization, whether it's Vaccine Choice Canada, the National Vaccine Information Center, any organization that is supporting informed choice needs your support now more than ever. So let's see an end to tyranny, an end to censorship, and an awakening of freedom and rights, because that is what we were born with, and that is what we need to take back. So thank you all so much for joining me on Under the Wire. This will be up on the AVN website this afternoon with all links. So please, once it's up, share that with your friends, family, your Facebook people, everybody in social media, and let's get the word out there that we are going to stand up for freedom. Thank you all. It's so lovely to see you here, and I appreciate it. See you next week. Bye-bye.